Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Rod Rosenstein okayed the final FISA warrant. I mean, that, that FISA warrant to spy on Carter Page was re-upped three times. And the final one was, was, was given the green light by Rod Rosenstein. Bruce Orr's wife was working for the opposition. Glenn Simpson was certainly working for the opposition. And Michael Zussman, the lawyer, Perkins Coie, was the key lawyer for the Democrat National Committee and the Clinton campaign. And yet, the document that was put together, this dossier, was what was used to go to the secret court to get a warrant to go spy on the other campaign. That is never supposed to happen in this country, but it did. You know, the same folks that prejudged Hillary Clinton's innocence, prejudged Donald Trump's guilt and the same names are the same folks whose conduct is at issue with respect to how evidence was presented or not presented to the FISA court. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. It's Monday and guess what? We're slamming and jamming. We're having a great time. I'm so excited. You know, uh, some people act as if Monday's a bad thing or if they have the blues. Not me. I'm raring to go. So excited about today and the rest of this week where we have share going on starting tomorrow. Today on the program, we have fantastic first-time guest on the program, John Miller, the host of a, a program, Washington Watch, I believe it is, on CRTV. Yeah, so CRTV. He's a host there huge with his viral videos. And he's going to come on and talk to us about um, Kanye West and the kind of, it was like a hit job, a political hit job that CNN executed on him after he went to the White House last week. I guess, oh, live radio, you guys. Um, I guess that it's not really appropriate for a black person, especially one who does the kind of music that Kanye West does and is such a gloriously, fantastically popular, mainstream, secular rap artist, he's not supposed to be able to go to the White House and have a conversation with the most racist man in America, Donald Trump. And of course, I'm being sarcastic because it's pretty clear there's not a racist bone in Donald Trump's body. Honestly, I mean, you just can't convince me. Racists don't behave like that guy. So he's going to come on and talk to us about that. We are also going to be diving into, I guess it's breaking news because the numbers have been ratcheting up. It's this, um, This revelation made to the Senate uh, just last week by Secretary uh, Nielsen, Kristen Nielsen, she went before them to testify about uh, illegal immigration and how the funds are being spent. And one of the things that she pointed out is that we have not enough bed space for people who are known to be plotting terror attacks here in this country. And there used to just be 500 of them. And then there were... Uh, you know, a thousand of them. And now there are 2,500 of them running around the country, but we can't detain them because we don't have anywhere to put them. And that's the idiocy of our current immigration system, where we're, we're spending billions of dollars building new detention facilities for people who should be just turned away at the border. Meanwhile, people who are already in the country who should be detained are not detained because we don't have space for them. I mean, I have, I have words, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep this up and above uh, board here. It's, it's, it's enraging. It's absolutely ludicrous that this is what's going on. And, and you wonder why I say we need smaller government, because the more money we give to the government, the more idiotic things like this we have to put up with. 
This is what they're doing with our tax dollars. So we'll talk about that. And uh, Focahontas, Elizabeth Warren, turns out she does have a drop of Indian blood after all, possibly, according to a new DNA test that she had done privately by a friend, someone who has, he has excellent credentials, but he's still a friend of hers. And so I, I, I really, honestly, why should I believe it? And also, who cares at this point? She's already used it to, to get a job at Harvard and everywhere else. And now she wants us to be what? Comforted by the fact that she's got some Indian blood. So do all of us. I do, too. So what? Never used it to get a job or anything. So first off, I want to get into our daily confession. Starts off in Romans 837. And just a reminder here on Stacy on the Ride on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk, we're doing the daily confession because a lot of the news that we cover on the show, while I present it in as upbeat a manner as I possibly can, it can be a bit of a downer sometimes listening to how our tax dollars are wasted, listening to how people in Washington, D.C. who were elected and specifically gave us a list of things that they would do, go to Washington and do something else. And especially in light of the fact that the polarization in this com- country has just become, it's so obvious And it it hurts a lot of people. It's painful. And I think a lot of people are probably experiencing unforgiveness and, you know, sleeplessness and anxiety because of it. But there's an answer to that. And it's always God's word. And so he provides for us to confess his word to him. That's why I call it the daily confession. And you can take the scripture for the day from the show and you can go to the Lord in prayer and confess it to him so that he can, his word, it calms us, it Uh, It lifts up our spirits, it lifts our heads, and it readies us to be able to encounter everything that we have to encounter on a daily basis. So in your morning prayer time, you have certainly Bible verses that you're reading. You can also read those in prayer to our Father in heaven, and and it's just fantastic. It's, It's a real game changer if you do it on a regular basis, if you commit to it. So today's daily confession for this program is, nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's Romans 8, 37. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, a conqueror is not just winning a little bit. A conqueror is not just someone who wins a part of the war. The conqueror is the one who sustains through many, many, many different individual battles and overall is the winner, is is the one who comes out on top. This Bible verse says that we are more than conquerors, but it doesn't say through, through, Stacey's a conqueror through her own might or her own strength, or Stacey's a conqueror through her husband, or she's a conqueror because she's a radio host. It doesn't say Stacey's a conqueror because she has some kids or, you know, what have you, because you're tall or whatever. None of those things make us conquerors. It says we are, in all things, we are more than conquerors, more than victors, Through him who loved us, and that him is with the capital H, it's our Father in heaven. And then to connect that up, being confident in this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So until Jesus Christ comes back for us, we can be confident that God will continue to perform the good work that he started within us. He will continue until Jesus' return. That is pretty amazing because God is not a man that he should lie. So he never lies. His word is always true. His word never returns void. And he's always for us rather than against us. And he's always working things out for our good. And in him, we are more than conquerors. That's a lift for me. I'm, I'm jazzed about that. That gets me pumped up to be able to face whatever I have 
on my plate, whatever I have to battle down that day. I know I'm doing it in him and that through him, I'm more than a conqueror. And so are you. So um, that's our daily confession. So now I want to, I, so, okay, here we go. We're all, we're all girded up. We're ready to, we're ready to rumble. Here is this, it's, it's Kirsten Nielsen. She's talking about, she's the uh, DHS secretary. She's, we don't have enough beds to detain the 2,500 illegals who are plotting terror attacks. It's number three. Right now, as I sit here, we're currently investigating about 5,000 terrorism cases across America and around the world. And about 1,000 of those cases are homegrown violent extremists, and they're in all 50 states. In the last year or so, we've made hundreds of arrests of terrorism subjects. Those include things like the arrest of a guy plotting to attack San Francisco's Fisherman's Wharf on Christmas Day with a combination of vehicles, firearms, and explosives. Or the arrest, Mr. Chairman, of a woman in your home state, a Wisconsin woman, maintaining a virtual library of instructions on how to make bombs, biological weapons, and suicide vests to assist self-proclaimed ISIS members. We've also disrupted a plot to blow up a shopping mall in Miami or to blow up a number of the celebrations of July 4th in Cleveland. So in the big scheme of things, and I'm sorry, that's, uh, that's, Christopher Ray talking there, not the DHS Secretary Nielsen. And we're talking about our government going through and systematically making a priority out of people who are coming to the border illegally. So they're coming to the border. They're coming here to stay. They're bringing their kids so that they're not turned away at the border. And their intention is to get an ankle bracelet, get a slip of paper and they're not reading it. They don't care what the slip of paper says. They just want to be released into the interior of the country. Now, if, if anyone else was to do this, I don't know, say break into your house with their kids and they're home when you get home from work. And, you know, the, so the government says, well, people keep breaking into other people's houses and they're homeless and they just need a place to stay. And since you have more bedrooms than you have people, you know, so you have three bedrooms and you have, you know, four people. But you, all four of you could be in one room. So let's just you guys stay in one room and let these people stay here until we can get to court and figure out whether or not they have a right to stay there. And you would say they don't have a right to stay. This is my private property. And the government would say, yeah, it is. But it's also in the best interest of this family for us to find out if they have a valid reason for breaking into your house. And you'd say there is no valid reason for breaking in. Well, but they might be good voters for one political party. So yeah, we do think there might be a reason. Do you hear how idiotic that sounds? And that idiotic sound is happening all over the southern border of the United States as we allow people to come in because, well, they put one foot on American soil. So now they're, they're owed a case. And these kinds of nonsensical rulings happen at the appellate court level by activists who just want illegals here because it's what Republicans don't want. And, and that's really all it boils down to, in my opinion, because I've looked and I've read and I've spent time listening to the, the opposing viewpoint. Why should they be able to stay here? They're never able to give an answer other than, well, we want them to. And Republicans are racist. They should be able to stay here because their skin is brown of some sort. It's tan. It's brown. It's cappuccino. It's latte. It's something other than Caucasian. And so they deserve to be able to stay here. 
Well, what if what if they're committing crimes? Well, Americans commit crimes, too. There is no valid reason that the Democrats can give for wanting these people here in this country other than they hope the people will vote for them. And over the weekend, I saw a story on Drudge where they're actually Democrat pollsters and politicians and all the people who kind of crunch the numbers to predict what's going to happen in, in an election. They're all upset because what they're seeing is all of the focus on people being here illegally is causing people here who, who are here illegally to not want to interact with the government because they're afraid of being deported. And, and it's a very real fear because President Trump is doing what he can under current law with the resources that are available to him to deport people who are here illegally. And there's no more, we're only prioritizing dangerous felons and criminals. It's whenever we encounter you, if we find out that you're here illegally, you will be subject to deportation. So that in and of itself is discouraging people, even people who are here legally from interacting with the government to vote. Now, do I agree with that? If you're here legally, you have every right to vote. But does it not show you that a whole community is being stigmatized by certain members of their community who look like them, but are not really members of their community? If you are Hispanic or Mexican or some type of Latin X and you're in America legally, you lawfully have citizenship here, you should not have your existence in this country and your citizenship, your Americanness, if you will, questioned because of people who want to be citizens of this country and are willing to do it by hook or by crook instead of doing it legally as you did. It's the same thing that black Americans experience when, say, for instance, like the story from this weekend here in St. Louis, a young black professional man was trying to get into his fancy, expensive loft building and a lady wouldn't let him in because she said he didn't belong there. Now, this woman did not have a right to stop this man from entering this building. He had a key fob and he'd already buzzed his way in. But because of others in that same vicinity who don't have a right to be in those buildings, who are committing crimes repetitively, robberies, petty theft, muggings, carjackings, etc., that young professional man was experiencing the backlash that other people deserve, not him, because he had a right to be there. He had an apartment there. He rode the elevator up, used his key to open his door and went inside and was sitting at home doing whatever he was doing, had every right to be there when the police came knocking on his door. So when we don't enforce the law, the unintended consequence is that other people are mistreated because of that. We shouldn't be building detention centers to house people who shouldn't be here. We should be housing individuals who need to be arrested because they want to do terrorism to us. And if people are here illegally, they should be deported. It's not that hard. When we get back, we're going to have John Miller for you. Stay right there. I would like to actually thank you for having your programs on that talks to what the biblical background in today's society. I like um, seeing uh, a husband, wife, actually showing God's love in the morning. Um, Stacy on the right is, is wonderful. Abe is incredible. Lion Chasers. And I appreciate you bringing E.W. Jackson back. He's actually from our area and he is a light. So I appreciate your network. I appreciate every one of the, your shows. Keep spreading God's word. Keep being the light on that hill. Let's impact even more lives. Partner with us for our three-day share starting tomorrow here on Urban Family Talk.
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I know a woman who finds it very difficult when she's not at the center of attention. To be recognized is extremely important to her, and when she feels as if she's been overlooked or slighted in any way, watch out. The defending party will know about it and pay for it, usually by being shut out or excluded from some imaginary circle of privilege. Mark it down. A fragile ego often feeds a vengeful spirit. In Esther chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, there's a story of a man who had an enormously fragile ego simply because he was used to being at the center of attention. It's a story of Haman who came after Mordecai and the Jews to kill them. Listen to these words. Now it was when they had spoken daily to him and he would not listen to them that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's reasons would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage to him, Haman was filled with rage. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him who the people of Mordecai were. Therefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, who were throughout the kingdom of Ahasuerus. This guy was pretty upset. Here are some implications for us. First, before you embrace an offense, seek an explanation. It may not be what you perceive it to be. Second, consider that your expectations may be unreasonable. Sometimes we just need to chill. Third, it is always wrong to be vindictive and vengeful. Here's what I want you to remember today. We have to keep our egos at the foot of the cross. We're called to love those who offend us. Let's move toward people. Don't push them away. Legacy Moment with Crawford Loritz is produced by Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Go to StacyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button. Also, go to AFR.net and hit the subscribe button there too. AFA.net as well. Hit up all of our good websites, UrbanFamilyTalk.com, and find us on Facebook. All of the things I just listed, we all have Facebook pages for all of our good stuff. So check us out on there as well. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome John Miller. He's the White House correspondent for CRTV. And it's my first time getting to chat with him. John, thank you for joining the show today. It's good to be here, Stacey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I love seeing your face come up on my Facebook feed because when I <laughs> click through, I know I'm going to get some unvarnished, probably <laughs> politically incorrect truth. And it's always straight, no chaser. So That's how we do it. Oh, my goodness. And I'm glad. I'm, I, we, I'm, I know many who are appreciative of the work that you do there, especially since, you know, for those of us sporting the permanent tans, which is you and I, John, it can be tough. <laughs> it can be a little tough. So let's talk about this. You've got Kanye West last week. He went to the White House. This was this is not a shock. He's been there before. He's been at Trump Tower. He wore his MAGA hat after a SNL presentation where he he went into a rant and people didn't like it. But then after he went to the White House and shared and, you know, he, he had his moment. Then there was a little bit of rancor on CNN. Tell us what you saw. Yeah, just, just a little bit. It was actually before he even got to the White House. Uh, Don Lemon had a panel on his show with Tara Setmeyer, uh, Bakari Sellers. They're both CNN contributors. Uh, they're employed by the network. And they did a panel where they proceeded to call Kanye a Negro who doesn't read, as well as a 
token Negro for the Trump administration. They also say they want to trade him in the draft like he's some slave. So apparently now it's okay for us <laughs> to use the term Negro to describe fellow black people. I mean, I didn't know that was okay since, uh, you know, maybe the 1960s, but apparently that's fine. So, I mean, and, and that was just the beginning. You know, all weekend, Stacey, there was, you know, backlash and, and people calling Kanye names and treating him like basically he didn't know what he was doing, like he was some pathetic child. And it's just incredible to me, you know, what you can do to black folks uh, when you don't agree with them politically. Apparently, it's okay to demean them. Apparently, it's okay to call them names like Negro, uh, I, you know, and we get it all the time. But Uncle Tom, Coon, every name mm-hmm. in the book, every name that is considered a racial slur, you name it, all of a sudden it's okay to call someone that once they're on the conservative side. Um, so it was just incredible to me, and I actually demanded an apology from CNN for letting this kind of language uh, air on, on, on their network. I mean, they're a mainstream cable news network. They should at least have some standard of decency to not let abject racism go out on their airways. But apparently I haven't heard back from them. So apparently that's uh, they, they have lower standards than we even thought. Oh, John, I was waiting for you to say, and then I received an apology. Uh, or... <laughs> are, aren't you shocked <laughs> that, that they did not apologize? I haven't heard Jack from them yet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. But I thought because it was you and they know that when you get on a roll, you can really let people have it, that they <laughs> might be concerned, but apparently no. So let's let's unpack this a little further. What are they afraid of? Why why did why did the overseers in the Democratic Party have to unleash Tara Setmeyer, who calls herself a Republican, and yeah, Bakari I, Sellers, she, who she oh my, he's so well educated, but what nonsense he spews. And then Don Lemon. Uh, why would they release these three well-educated black folk to uh, to rein Kanye back in? What's going on? You know, I think it's you know to be honest, it. I think they're terrified. Um, I think that you know they have been trained to think that black people cannot be Republicans or conservatives. And you know, I'm still trying to figure out, Stacey, what the mentality for black liberals is. I understand what it is for white liberals. You know, white liberals they love black folks. They love African Americans. They say they're you know. They're fighting for minorities until mm-hmm. they realize they can't get your vote. And then, of course, you know, you're meaningless to them, and then they treat you as, as the slave that they think you are. But I still can't quite put my finger um, on why educated and smart black liberals all of a sudden turn so harshly on, 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 uh, on fellow blacks, because it's, you know, they, are, they, they should be fighting. You know, the entire struggle for black people in America has been the fight for equal rights and equal freedom. And, you know, and I've said this before, but the epitome of that freedom is, is the ability to think for yourself. And, you know, as blacks, we should be championing that for all blacks around the country, even if you disagree with it. But for some reason, they feel the need to tear each other down. And to be honest with you, I don't have an answer for why they feel the need to do that and unleash in the way that they did, uh, other than the fact that they're worried that, that, you know, the Democrat Party is going to start to lose votes when other blacks start to wake up. But that's the answer. You don't, there yeah. is no other answer. You, you correctly, uh, you know, basically broke them down. But I asked you why, because I want to make sure people understand that, that there is a why. There is a reason why they're doing that. And you're right. Um, when you say Democrats love black people, I was chuckling to myself because <laughs> they do love compliant black people who don't expect anything back for their vote, who don't see the vote as transactional. But they don't love black people like John Miller, who's who I'm speaking with, if you just joined the show, we're speaking to John Miller, White House correspondent for CRTV. 
They don't love black folks like Stacey Washington. My email box proves that. I mean, I've got some really, real dandy little uh, missives from folk who they get upset when I start connecting the radicalism that we're seeing on college campuses to democratic ideology that's being taught in K through 12 schools. Oh, they don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. So let's I mean, it's racism, right? I mean, to there call a person a Negro. Barefaced racism. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you were to just for a minute, take the situation and put it on the other side. And, you know, people say, well, it can't be racist because they're black, and black folks can't be racist against black people. You know as well as I do, <laughs> if, for instance, you, me, you know, someone else who's a black conservative, they got a panel of black conservatives on Fox News and started calling Obama the token Negro, uh, or started calling Obama and Michelle Obama Negroes who can't read. You don't think they'd be coming after us and saying that's racist? They absolutely would. Someone so, would have to lose their job. <laughs> we, we, we would and never be employed again, and they would be calling for our heads. There would be protests in the streets. And, you know, other than a few networks and social media, which went, you know, ablaze on this, they're really not covering it. And so it's incredible to me. I, you know, I think that's why it's important for people like you, people like me, to actually speak out about this, because if we don't, who is going to? Now, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you, but what is happening when, because I, I actually put on my Facebook, and I got a few people angry at me, but I was just, I was just kind of, I don't know how it is on the weekend when you get, you start vibing on something, and you're just like, I'm just going to post this on Facebook, and you know, let the <laughs> chips fall where they may. And sometimes it's a horrible idea, but I don't really care because I'm, I'm just, it's my Facebook. I'm just sharing what I think at the moment, and I put on there that you know, Kanye, he's a, he's a nice guy and everything, and I'm glad he's free. And he's thinking freely for himself, but he's not a leader on the conservative side because I'm seeing people make memes for him like they made, no. uh, you know, for yeah. Mitt Romney and all that. I, and, and he's not a leader. But by the same token, he has like meeting with him seems to precede an uptick in support in the black community for Donald Trump. So, I mean, and, is that connected? Yeah. And, and I think that that's the great thing. I don't think anyone is calling. Con- I mean, listen to Kanye's lyrics. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if anyone's mm-hmm. trying to make him you know, a leader of conservative thought, they are sorely mistaken. He's not, and, you know, and the minute he says something, I disagree with. In fact, there's a lot of stuff he said in, you know, at the White House that I don't agree with. But I feel compelled to stand up for him because he is thinking for himself, and we should be free to do that. Even if we disagree with the person, we should be free to think for ourselves, and we should not have to cave to some narrative and some political party just because they say this is how you must think. And so, you know, I don't care if Kanye is a communist saying this stuff. I'm going to stand up for his rights. I would never say this stuff about Obama. I would never talk about Obama's in the, the Obamas in that it, with those terms. The term Negro, I would never call a fellow black guy the word Negro. And the, and the idea that it's okay to do that um, because they disagree with you politically, I want to talk about people's ideas. I want to talk about you know, where I agree with people, what's a good idea, what's a bad idea. I don't want to degrade them and diminish them to the color of their skin. So, you know, I think we make, I think the people who are making Kanye, you know, the new conservative face, I think they're probably making a mistake because, you know, Kanye, you know, is going to come out next month and say something crazy. I support universal health care or something crazy like that. And then we're going to have to walk back everything. So I think, you know, you have to be careful in saying, you know, I disagree with Kanye on a lot of stuff, his music and his politics. But I will stand up for his right to say whatever he wants. And I absolutely think it's a great thing that he's opening black people's eyes. I just saw over the weekend um, Designer, who's another hip-hop artist, you know, coming out and saying, I love you know, what Kanye is saying about making America great again. And I absolutely love the, uh, 
the idea that Kanye is saying we cannot be victims anymore. We have to get over our victimhood mentality. We have to get over this mentality that, uh, that you know, we are still slaves. I mean, I'm sure you get it all the time. I get it all the time in my inbox, you know, slave language saying, you know, oh, I see mm-hmm. there's always one like you on the plantation. And it's like, bro, what are you still doing on a plantation? Why are we using <laughs> plantation language to describe each other? We, uh, the, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation, that was 1863. <laughs> All right, so we need to we need to move on, and, and 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 just you know I feel bad for the people who still feel like we are stuck on a plantation. But that Kanye was speaking to that, and on that I agree with him absolutely. And I think if he can wake up other blacks, this idea you're no longer on the plantation, you are actually free, and you can do something. You have the ability of the power, and you have the resources to do something amazing with your life. I think that's a good thing, and I think we should get behind him on that. I I, I agree, but I. Uh, on the plantation language, I gotta say, um, okay, so you said, bro, what are you still doing on there? I'm I'm wondering because at minimum you should be living in an apartment, which is nothing like a plantation. But you know, on on you know, when we look on par for blacks in America, many millions, tens of millions of blacks live in single family homes. And there mm-hmm. are no white people in their home, you know, to be the, the owner because a plantation needs an owner. So right, there's just no owner. correlation. There's just none. No. You, no one's lived. Everyone has a car. Everyone has air conditioning. Nothing about that era still exists today for the bulk <laughs> of Americans, except, I mean, obviously we have extreme poverty in, in certain areas of the country. But for most blacks, at, air conditioning, dishwashers and talking cars are the norm. So, I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. Unless you're in New York City which I lived in for a little bit, and then you don't get dishwashers because for some reason they're still behind in the 1950s. But everywhere except for that city, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, and there is this mentality. I think that you said there is no resemblance to slavery and nothing from that era still exists today. I think you're right, except for in as much as the mentality that mm-hmm. is prevalent on the Democrat side, which is, you know, a slavish mentality to Democrat ideas. I think that the left is enslaved to Democrats' ideas. And I think that they tell you, they tell blacks that, you know, we will give you everything. We will basically enslave you to government and give you everything so that you are perpetually dependent on government. And then what we're going to do is we're going to tell you it's the Republicans who cause this problem. And that's where, you know, the animosity towards Republicans comes because the Democrats are telling them, you know, you need us. We lost, and the minute John. you don't so need us, we don't need you either. Oh, there you are. Okay, you got to repeat that part because I think we missed you. You you cut out for a sec. Sorry, I I was just saying that you know that we're that the Democrat Party has made it their mission to make blacks completely dependent on them, and that is where the slavish mentality comes from. I think that you know you said slavery does not exist and there's no remnants of it in this era, except I would argue for the mentality that the Democrat Party has that says that we're going to provide for blacks everything that they need. We're going to make them completely dependent on the government so that they require us, so that they are completely dependent on the services and the benefits we provide them. And then we're going to tell them that the Republicans are responsible for their problems. Yeah, which I don't even know how that works, because when I look around to who's responsible for my problems, it's not fun when I've made a mistake and then I'm like, well, whose (laughs) whose fault is this? And then I realize it's my fault. You know, usually I don't even have to ask. I'm like, well, I really I messed this up. Yeah, it's totally me. I made this decision. I followed through with it. I ignored my gut. I did. You know, I didn't pray over this. I just went on with it. And now look at me. And so this is something that happens a lot to us. And it really is a babyish thing, isn't it, John? Isn't it kind of like it's basically saying to someone, I know you're a grown adult with a job and maybe you have a mortgage and some kids, maybe, you know, whatever you've got. But in reality, there's some magical 
all-powerful white man, and you can't see him, he's invisible, but he's in control of all the problems in your life, and it's because of racism. And I can't believe there are still people who have synapses firing who buy into that. No, I, I completely agree, and I don't know what... I, I, any honest person who looks at any situation should be able to see that, you know, that white person doesn't exist. I mean, who is it? Uh, you know, is it, is it government? Was it Obama underneath Obama? Because, you know, Obama, it's not like blacks were doing great under him. So is, you know, Obama the great white oh, guy wow. that you're blaming all your problems on? You know, it's, 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 it's completely nonsense. But that's what they're fed, and that's what they're given. And, you know, I, I, I just encourage uh, more blacks to actually look inward, but also look outward and see that there's no one causing these problems for you. These problems are dependent on you. And, and you know, that's not to say that so many blacks aren't born into horrible situations. But, you know, if you commit yourself and if you educate yourself and if you pay attention to the right things and if you pray on things, things can look up for you. I, I know so many people who have done it. And, you know, I'm a product of that. And my family's a product of that. And you can get out. And I think that, you know, I think that's the empowerment message that Kanye is bringing. Um, I mean, Kanye just, was born. If you're a Democrat. Go on. <laughs> I'm sorry. You cut out. We lost you for like maybe. 10, 15 seconds, and I thought oh, really? maybe you dropped. I apologize. <laughs> I'm on a landline, so I'm going to blame the, the company, the phone company. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am too. They don't want conservative thought going out. So I, exactly. I want to give you a us. chance to wrap it up, though. I'm. Yeah, of course they are. Well, they. I don't <laughs> think they like my show, but I don't care. So you, when when you're you're doing your show, when you're breaking down all these topics. What is the point that you want to get out there? And I know it's regardless of race because the truth is the truth. But what are you trying to get out there every day on your program, on CRTV and all the work that you do? Yeah, you know, I think that it is so important now. Uh, you know, I, I, I focus on I am the White House correspondent for CRTV. So, you know, we cover the White House story each day. But I think that, you know, I'm in the press room, you know, almost on a daily basis. And there are so many stories that are getting out there. And what happens is you get in that press room and everyone thinks exactly the same. And so there's, it's no wonder that every story that comes out, um, are, you know, it sounds exactly the same. And all the angles are extremely similar because not enough people are standing up there and saying, no, there's a completely different way to look at this. So, you know, that, I, you know, I do my, you know, eight minute segments each day and I, you know, I try to get to a different side of the story that's not exactly being told. And, you know, I, we, we, we try to tell it from a limited government standpoint. I think that um, the uniqueness that, that we bring to the conversation is that, you know, we are unabashedly conservative. We are unabashedly right wing. But we base our commentaries in, in, in fact. And so, you know, I think that you have to have that to combat, you know, the Jim Acostas of the world and the people who are out there claiming to be objective um, while spinning the news and giving you lies. I think that it's important for us on the right to come and say, you know, hey, we're giving you the truth. We're giving it to you with our point of view, which we're completely acknowledging. We're wearing our bias on our sleeves. But that is so that you can accept us at face value. And that is so you can hear where we're coming at and know. And then we also hope to persuade people to our side. One of the first steps to becoming a Christian is recognizing our sinful nature. What makes this so difficult is that we have selective vision when it comes to our own issues. It's easy for me to see your faults, but when it comes to seeing my own, then my eyesight automatically gets bad. 
Once you're far away, to measure new birth in Christ is by opened eyes and a clear vision. Sometimes we can pass between having sight and having no sight because we have fallen asleep to the needs around us, or our perspective on those things that are eternal is distorted. Whatever the case, there is nothing more dangerous than having blurred vision and still thinking that it's clear. Don't measure your vision by your own standards. It will be warped and distorted every time, but rather measure it by God's standards. God desires that our eyesight remains clear. So how is your eyesight today? With the heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Hey, have you called in to share your testimony about how God has been a blessing in your life? If not, what are you what waiting, are you waiting for? for? Sherathon is almost here. Stop whatever it is that you're doing and call 877-327-5647. God is too good for us to just sit there and not tell others about his goodness and his mercy. Simply call 877-327-5647. We can't wait to hear from you. We need you to call your senators today. Tell them to put an end to the liberals filibuster, switch to a majority vote, and defund Planned Parenthood. Your call will make a difference. Call the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121 or go to afaaction.net. Again, call 202-224-3121 and tell your senators to switch to a majority vote and defund Planned Parenthood. Donald Trump's America. Last week, a volatile market sent stocks tumbling, but the president said the U.S. economy was still in great shape. Top economic advisor Larry Kudlow on Fox News Sunday echoed that ahead of a new trading week. Corrections come and go, and um, people should stay very calm over these things. It's quite normal. The U.S. also less than a month away from the midterm elections. Following an accusation by Vice President Mike Pence that China was seeking to interfere in American democracy at work, Chinese ambassador to the U.S. Sui Tian Kai, also on Fox, called the claim groundless. One of the fundamental principles in China's foreign policy is non-interference in the internal affairs of other countries. Over the weekend, the president also mentioned during a rally in Kentucky those who were affected by Hurricane Michael. He tweeted late last week that he would travel to Florida and Georgia to see some of the damage this week. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacey of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Can I harumph one harumph for you? My harumph is there are all of these dumb stories that talked about all of the voter registrations that Taylor Swift got with her announcement. You know why it was there were so many voter registrations? Because it was the last day of voter registration in like That's 18 true. states. That would be like if Taylor Swift put an Instagram post on the 15th of April and said, file your taxes. And then everybody <laughs> said, oh, my That's gosh, funny. look at all the tax filings that we saw. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Come on. You know, it's true. The same week that voter registration closes in 18 states across the country, all of a sudden Taylor Swift is out there talking about, if you care about your country, you need to vote and also vote for Democrats. Um, it's good to be back with you. I'm, we can take some calls. 
Um, hopefully that's going to be good to go. Um, the call lines are open at 866-963-2037. We normally take calls during this last segment of this hour. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. So I want to give you guys uh, this. There's this huge, huge kind of big deal. And it is this. So, you know, you've got uh, our new... Supreme Court Justice, Associate Justice Kavanaugh, and he's on the Supreme Court. And we don't currently have on the docket, as far as I know, um, and you have to go to SCOTUS blog, just type in SCOTUS blog and it comes up and it kind of is a blog about the Supreme Court of the United States. It's very nonpartisan. So you can read it and see what cases are up and who's arguing what and everything like that. And as far as I know, they're not currently on the docket any courses, uh, any cases that would challenge the constitutionality of Roe v. Wade. But Apparently, Planned Parenthood really feels like a conservative court is going to get it done. And you know what I have to say at this one time, because I have yet to find anything that I compliment Planned Parenthood on. Um, it's this. They have a lot of faith in our legislators. They have a lot of faith in our Supreme Court. They have a lot of faith in, in uh, you know, people trying to get stuff done. It's what they would do if Supreme the Supreme Court had said that abortion was unconstitutional and they got a 5-4 majority on the court. The first thing they would do is put a case forward to try to get abortion ruled as constitutional. They absolutely would not stop until they got that done while they had the numbers. So that's what they think the conservatives are going to do. And I hope they're right. Honestly, I hope they're right. Um, so they've unveiled this multi-million dollar plan to protect and expand abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned. She says... It's Don Lagoons, the executive vice president of Planned Parenthood, said there's no way to sugarcoat it. With Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court, we'll likely see further erosion and perhaps complete reversal of Roe v. Wade. But Planned Parenthood is not going to let this be a country where um, people don't have access to abortion. And if the decision is overturned, states will have the power to individually determine whether abortion is legal and whether there are any restrictions. And... Their report is called Care for All, a three-part plan to protect and expand access to abortion in the United States. And they take a three-pronged approach targeting access to health care, policy, and culture change. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's go to the phones. We've got Nate in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, Nate. Thanks for calling the show today. Yeah. Hi, Stacy. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Welcome to the show. All right. Hey, it's Stacy. I listened to your last caller. Uh, let- talking about racism in america and uh i wondered have you seen the movie free state of jones no it's it's about a it's a, based on a true story about a guy who ends up fighting to, to save uh save black people that are slaves back during the civil war times and he was actually a confederate soldier anyway um at a certain point in the movie you really should see the movie it's a great movie he um he things happen in America to where blacks can now vote. Um, the, the the North won the war. Yankees won the war. So the blacks march through town to go vote. And when they go in the town hall to vote, and of course all the people are staring them down. A bunch of yes, white people staring them down that are racist. I'm sure at the time. And they go in to vote, and they ask for Republican tickets, and they mm. almost didn't get them. And they gave them the Republican tickets, and then after that, they cast their vote, and that's when the movie went into Ku Klux Klan stuff that was going on, and they ended up hanging some black people. It was the Ku Klux Klan. Well, those Ku Klux Klan people were all the Democrats in the movie. 
Hmm. So it just gets me thinking that somewhere along the lines, the Democrats figured out that <laughs> we obviously can't hang black people anymore. So how do we get our way and get, quote unquote, get rid of them or whatever they want to do? So they get black people to believe that they're right somewhere along the lines in the history of our country. And now, you know, they're the biggest one supporting Planned Parenthood and abortion. And I don't know all those statistics, but I think a lot of black people or a lot of black babies are aborted out of all the mm-hmm. babies in America. Yeah. Largest so I don't know, percentage I just, wise. I wanted to drop that thought. So what's uh, the name of the movie again? Free State of Jones. Free State of Jones. Okay. Uh, Matthew Thank McConaughey. You. Matthew McConaughey is the star in it. Yep. Oh, really? Oh, he's an awesome actor. I'm um, Free State of Jones. Okay. Thank you, Nate. I uh, appreciate that uh, movie tip and um, your comments. Thank you for calling and, and sharing that with us. Kevin in Pocahontas, Arkansas. Hey, thanks for calling the show today, Kevin. Yes, Daisy. Daisy, thank you for taking my call. I just want to say I love y'all's program. And, uh, and um, for one, I'm a white male. And, um, and uh, as far as the last gentleman that was talking, uh, everyone has to own their own life. If the government's not responsible for my life, my happiness, uh, I own my own life. My background is I was a delinquent. I was from a family of a single-parent home. My mother had left my father for another man with eight kids. And, uh, and so I grew up in advert poverty. And, uh, and uh, I had spent over four years and three months in state prisons by the time I was 21, not to include uh, reform school. And whenever God finally got a hold of my life, I realized I had to do something myself. I owned my own life. And I picked myself up from out of that state of, uh, of depravity, of moral depravity, as well as, as, as poverty. And, uh, and, and I turned my life around. I became a minister. Uh, I, I worked in funeral service for 24 years. I mean, I became a responsible person with my life, a Christian, you know. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, uh, and, 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 it, and it wasn't that, uh, that I was just white and I had privilege. I wasn't. I was a poor white person, you know, and I've done something with my life. I owned it. And, uh, and, I, and that's what I hear from you. And, uh, you know, uh, as a Christian, you have to own your life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and your character has only changed through Christ, you know. Amen. But anyhow, you can't do I it yourself. Wanted, I just wanted, <laughs> no, no, he, gives, he changes your nature. You know, mm-hmm. my, my nature had to be changed from that delinquency and, and from that depravity. Uh, and, and from out of that, uh, uh, I, my life turned around. And, uh, and it was other Christians also that reached out to me, you know, and saw something in me, you know, other than just my criminality, you know. And, uh, but anyhow, I just want to say that uh, you're a great addition to the afternoon programming, and I absolutely love your programming. And I love, just like that young man uh, there, you know, uh, I, I love what he had to say, you know. And, Thank uh, you. Very clear. You. Very clear. Thank, thank you, you Kevin. Much. Thank you. Thank you for calling and sharing your your testimony and your history there. Um, I want to I wanted to point out because Kevin said it, it wasn't white privilege for him. It was he he literally said, I'm a changing. I'm not going to stay this way. And then he plugged in and God sent help, you know, because we, we need help. That's what we're that's what all this humanity is about. It's us helping each other. We're the hands and feet of Christ. 
we had a funny interaction this weekend at our house, kind of dovetails in with what Kevin was just saying about uh, privilege. And, and John Miller mentioned it, too, during his interview. And I have to say, you know, John Miller's excellent. You should find him and his content online on, on Facebook. Um, they have the eight-minute videos that he does every day. You can watch them there. Um, if, if you're a Facebook user, if you're not, you know what? I get it. I get, I get what you're, you're putting down there. Um, so this weekend, our son went to do an activity at a local business and some people from his school were going and they were filming. They asked him to come along and be a part of the little project that they were working on for school. He went and it was about like an hour and a half that he was gone and maybe two hours. And he came back and so we're, you know, this is Saturday on Sunday, we're sitting there eating dinner, you know, in the kitchen and we're chatting and he says, Oh, by the way, that business offered me a job. (laughs) So The story is our son, who's 17, has been working at a local business here, a fast food restaurant, and he's been working there for a few months since like almost the beginning of the summer. But he's been offered now three other jobs since he started working there. And he doesn't have to quit his fast food job to work these other jobs. And so when he said it, you, you, I mean, if you listen to the show more than once, you know me, I I was like, oh man, that must be your black privilege, huh? And he broke out laughing. He was like, that's right, mom. My black privilege. I'm constantly getting asked <laughs> to work for people. And the reason he's getting asked to work is not because he has black privilege. He is black, but he, it's not that. It's that he does a good job when he shows up. He's very, he's, he's very proactive. He's a good worker. And he has a good attitude. And he, you know, he, he speaks the Queen's English, if you know what I mean. So none of that, you know, what they called Ebonics, which is just another word for shibboleth. He doesn't do that. And so I'm, I'm pointing that out and dovetailing in with our callers and really fantastic comments from Nate and Kevin and John Miller to say that there are certain innate benefits to being anyone here in America and there are certain drawbacks. But it's all about the work that you put in and, will, and whether or not you're willing to, hey, I need help. God help me. Let me commit myself to you so you can work these things out for me and I'm going to work hard and, and rely on you. If you're leaving us now, God bless you. Good night from the heartland. If you're staying with us, stick around for more news and information from onenewsnow.com.